Hi, I'm Brianna Guntz, and this is Music Wave. With me today, I have the folk singer-songwriter, Theo Candell. Welcome. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I wanted to start just with a little background about you. I know you grew up in New York. What was your favorite memory growing up? I have very specific memories of sledding in Hippo Park, in like Riverside Park on the Upper West Side in New York. One of those like core memories where you like look back and you're like, oh man, like I woke up with my friend and we went to the park and sledded. With that move, you haven't been in L.A. for a super long time yet, but you were in Nashville. What are some of the differences in the people, the good and the bad? It's interesting. I mean, I notice a lot more of it in terms of music just because that's the space that I'm in. I think in Nashville, everyone that you meet is down to collab with you from the moment that you meet them. For better or for worse, I think it's a super positive atmosphere. But L.A. feels a little more like people have their spaces. They have their groups of people that they're involved with. And once you get into one of those, then it kind of opens up that space. Whereas Nashville, I feel like, is a little less barrier to entry in a lot of those kind of places. In a good way for both. Sorry. Do you have a preference of Nashville or L.A.? Oh, I don't know. I can't really make that call yet. I was in Nashville technically for six years, if you include college, which I guess you can. But I don't know. They're super different. Like I wake up every day here in L.A. and it's like, you know, 75 degrees and sunny and beautiful. And at the same time in Nashville, I could wake up, drive to any corner of town and it would take me maximum like 15, 20 minutes. And here... Someone's like, oh, we should go to the beach. And I'll be like, word, I'll be there in an hour and a half. <laughs> like, see, see you there. It's not the same city. It's an enormous city. So I built a couple chairs and I bleached my hair. I guess I'm really just a dumb blonde now. What was the motivation for that move then? I wanted a bigger city. The good and the bad of Nashville are the good and the bad of L.A., but just kind of reversed. Nashville is pretty small. I guess it's like 800, maybe 900,000 people. And L.A. is obviously huge. And growing up in New York, I was always surrounded by that big city feel. And that's kind of what I wanted again, especially with music and just kind of expanding the kind of people that I'm working with. And I don't know, just the inspiration you get from being in a totally different place. How has that move altered or changed what your music career looks like? It hasn't impacted my TikTok at all. I keep churning out the TikTok content regardless of where I am. I think sonically my music has become a little more positive since I moved out here. I've been working on a ton of new stuff that definitely has just been influenced by, you know, driving in the sun and not having any rainy days, essentially. Well, last night I had a dream where it was just you and me and I was playing you a song that I wrote. 
You said I don't like that one I don't like what you become Cause every sentimental line is a joke I think it's been good for my career in terms of I don't know, maybe more of the business side of things and expanding who I'm working with, whether that's through sync or just a completely different set of people that provides its own complications and benefits. And I don't know. I think the main thing is that it's just different. So I think different is always good. I think a lot of the time you can get bogged down in a certain kind of monotony that you develop when you've been in one place for too long or you've developed the same routine. And so that's what I'm pretty psyched about being here. You mentioned it a little bit, and I wanted to kind of expand on the whole TikTok thing. You have kind of a niche on TikTok with covering popular songs as a folk song, but then also you've been like combining songs and like creating like the cursed version. How has that been received? I mean, well, those are the ones that have been the best received. It's a weird thing. My worry with TikTok is always getting pigeonholed into one thing. So obviously the thing that started at least some of my like mediocre popularity on TikTok was banjo and bluegrass covers of pop punk songs and some pop songs. That obviously did great things for my career and for my following, but I found after a while that I was kind of being stuck into that niche too much, you know, like too much to the point where it was harder to promote my original music because those videos wouldn't do well because whatever the algorithm or the people that follow me just wanted to see what they had initially followed me for. But I think that's the way it goes. You know, I've been doing a bunch of different things on TikTok. I mean, I certainly don't want to be like a one trick pony on there because the opportunity is there to do whatever you want and to have people buy in to your entire thing. I don't really know what my brand would necessarily be on TikTok, but hopefully it's just like Theo Candel and people come and follow for the banjo or they follow for the mashup and then they stay for my original music and stay for the thing that I'm really passionate about creating. Whereas the other stuff is super fun and it's an outlet for me to do creative things that I wouldn't necessarily do on any other platform. You know, the end goal is the same. The end goal is really just my music. So hopefully people can see that. Every time I'm getting caught up in the middle of a feeling I just can't fight And I say, ooh, 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 ooh And I'm hoping that someday I'll get it right Do you think TikTok has helped your pursuit as a musician? I think for sure. I mean, just the pure breadth of people that are on there that now follow me that I can't even count. I mean, like, I'm definitely not successful by, like, the greater standard of TikTok, but... For me, like a solid amount of followers that engage with my content is really all I've wanted and to keep growing that is the goal. And I hate to say followers and content rather than like fans and music, but that's kind of the way you have to view it. 
And a lot of people complain about that, but you got to work with what you got. You play the cards you're dealt, you know, and that happens to be the big hand of cards that we've all been dealt. And I think we're all just trying to figure out how to play that in the best way possible to help our careers and help get our music out there. Right. I know that your song Everybody Else is pretty close to 2 million streams which is a super huge number. Do you think that TikTok has played a role in boosting that song? I don't know. I don't think anyone uses it on TikTok. I probably indirectly just from more people engaging with the stuff that I make, it's helped. I think more so a lot of it has just been a slow organic growth on Spotify, which is super gratifying to see. Even if it's not as buzzy as, you know, like getting on a major playlist, which I haven't yet. So at least I can say that all my streams come from, you know, people that are coming to my music organically. And I enjoy that little chip on my shoulder, <laughs> at least. You also have a classical music background. Has that influenced the music you're making? You know, I started playing violin when I was like four. So I was one of those little orchestra kids. And I think it helped me in terms of musical theory, at least like intonation and like an ear for melodies, I think. There's some of my songs that do have my violin in there that I've played like older now. Toward the end has this little string arrangement I did. And in some of the new songs, I have that. It's been a good pad or a good extension of my music that I'm able to incorporate sometimes. And, you know, at least knowing that the violin is an option or having that kind of string arrangement would be an option is definitely a cool thing. Something I think that I really enjoy in the music I've been making. I'm driving circles round the block. Was that your first exposure to music? Yeah. First exposure in terms of like me making music, I guess. Because when I was younger, probably before I was four, my parents would just play CDs in our house, whether that was Simon and Garfunkel Greatest Hits or like Billy Joel, Carole King, a lot of that kind of stuff. It was always there. I think violin was probably the first, it was definitely the first thing that I had that would allowed me to engage with music in a more creative way than just kind of passively listening. I'm on and off today. I'm sorry that I moved so far away. I wish I'd had the chance to say I know that people they can change. But friends will So how did you transition from playing the violin to creating your own original songs with guitar and vocals and everything? My sister started playing guitar. She's younger and she started playing guitar because I think she wanted to do something different than what I was doing. But then I would go into her room and like take her guitar and like try to figure out some stuff and eventually begged my parents to let me take guitar lessons. And they were like, your violin's going to suffer from that. 
And once I learned enough guitars, probably when I was 12, I wrote a couple of my first songs. I mean, they were bad, obviously, but they're pretty good. Like I listen back, they're so cringy. college grad and I'm the same height as my dad what was the driving force for you to take that music that you're making on your own and start sharing it with other people I see creation as kind of like a two-way street like if you make it just for yourself then sure it's good for you but that's always seems a little hollow for me it's an outlet for me to express what I'm feeling. And I go through like phases of journaling, but I find it hard to just sit down every day and write out what I'm feeling, which maybe would benefit my music. But instead I'll like write down little notes of things that I think of. And eventually sometimes those get turned into songs. And I mean, it certainly is a craving for validation. People saying, oh, the music is good or, oh, I feel the same way. And I think when I write, that's what I'm hoping for you know you like put out your little your like shouts into the wind and you hope that someone else will be like oh whenever I write a song I'm like oh please tell me someone else is feeling this way writing little notes can be journaling like that could be considered journaling like there's like two lines in each of my notes on my phone here's one from the other day the house always wins I thought that was a good name good title for a song and then the next line is also vintage clothing stuff. <laughs> That's the entire note. And that could be two different songs. It could be nothing. Yeah, it's journaling in a way. My mind is back and forth. And my heart is way off track right now. Do you have any of those songs that have been really meaningful for you? Definitely. They're all sad songs. Well, no, not all of them. Okay, I actually have a couple. My number one is probably 1952 Vincent Black Lightning by Richard Thompson, which is just like, I think, the best song ever written. You know, it's a folk song, and his guitar is insane, and the story is crazy, and it's just been with me for a really, really long time, and that's kind of like my go-to always when I'm just like, damn, I need to listen to a really good song right now. Another song that's been very important for me is All Right by Christopher Cross, which is the best, just feel good, soft rock, yacht rock, like a little cruising song. And you just sing along and it's me and my friends in Nashville. We just absolutely blasted that song all the time. And it is still probably in my top 15 favorite songs of all time. Those are two good ones. And no song that I write will be enough. Have you used any of your own songs to help you work through something? I mean, the whole Spin Cycle EP that I put out last year is essentially a way for me to figure out a tough time and to not only get my thoughts out on the page and into musical form, but then to organize that and to see kind of a through line chronologically of my emotions and thoughts and, you know, to visualize that and to have that become something that's out there. I think that's definitely one that I put a lot of effort into and a lot of myself into, which feels very cool. The majority of your music tends to have a pretty sad vibe. 
but you tend to also like do kind of more upbeat, lighthearted instrumentals. Do you have a reason for why you juxtapose them like that? I, for a while, was doing very sparse, folky arrangements of sad songs that I thought were cool, and they were kind of cool, but I got sick of doing that at shows also, and sick of it being like the same monotonous vibe the entire time. So I just think that sounds are interesting and different sounds, and so any way that I can incorporate that into the music to make it not only an interesting lyrical experience for people, but an interesting listening experience too, that's kind of what I was trying to do with a bunch of the songs on Spin Cycle. Like, I don't want to think about that, which is like a pretty rocky, pop, upbeat, pretty sad song, but a bunch of the new music is not like that, and it is not sad, and it is happy even. No, it's more optimistic, I think. And I think people are going to be pretty psyched when they hear it. I mean, I just came out with Half is Cool. I guess it's not really happy, but it's not sad. Not sad, depressing, crying in your bed as you go to sleep vibes. Right. It's like rage in my car, angsty. It's turning a lot of those emotions that maybe can be defaulted into sadness or you know, a depressive emotion into something that's a little, it's got a little more energy to it. So rather than sad, it's like annoyed or angry or whatever, or optimistic. So has that been because your perspective has shifted or just you are thinking more about what kind of music you have to perform? Oh, it's definitely perspective too. Like I couldn't have made any of this music last year or two years ago when I was writing Spin Cycle. But it is also thinking consciously about the kind of music that I want to put out and the kind of music that I want to be somewhat representative of who I think I am as an artist. And that will shift back to folk, no doubt. It actually will. I have a ton of folk songs that I'm also going to put out, and a bunch of them are sad. But I think a musician's catalog, an artist's catalog, hopefully at least, for me, can be a representation of just like where they're at in life, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what they want to be feeling, what they want to be thinking. And I am excited to play a bunch of the new songs with the band. I don't know. I guess it's a combination of all those things. What are you working on? What are you planning for the upcoming future. Yeah, so just came out with Have a School like a month ago, month ago tomorrow. And on the 17th, I'm coming out with another song called Star Sign. I thought the book compatible types. When I start to back off, say that it's a bad time. Well, I'm sick of being treated. It's just another punchline. Yeah. And that's a very rocky pop fun just like it's a banger you can like run around to that song and i've never made a song like that which is so exciting for me and those two are part of a bigger project that i'm gonna be releasing more every month and it's called what if it all works out in the end and posi posi optimistic six maybe seven song ep that should be coming out in the summer I'm excited it's a new sound, and I don't think it sacrifices the songwriting part of things I pride myself on, but I'm very excited for people to hear it and to kind of hear, you know, to hear the new me, to... <laughs> new and improved. Yeah, new and improved. Theo 2.0, Theo Posi, Opti Theo, 
that's kind of one of the big things I'm really looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to a bunch of tour dates that I'm doing. I'm opening for John Oates from Hall and Oates in New York and Connecticut in a couple weeks, <laughs> which is going to be crazy. I know it's insane and it should be super fun. It's just a little acoustic show that he's doing with Guthrie Trap, who's an amazing guitarist and they invited me to open up a couple of the shows, so I'm doing that. And then I'm going on tour with Wyatt Pike in May. He's a really awesome artist and singer. He was on American Idol, and he's a good friend of mine. And so we're hitting some West Coast places. And then in June and July, I'm going to be hitting some East Coast places, culminating in a show at the Bowery Ballroom. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh, that's exciting. Where can we keep up with what you are working on and listen to your music? You can follow me on all forms of social media at Theo Candel, and that's K-I-N-D-E-L, like candle with a K, and the L and the E are switched. I think that's my handle for everything. Follow me on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. It helps, and that's where I'll be kind of keeping everyone posted. Nobody told me that every day looks the same I have to work in the summer Used to daydream Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Music Wave. For more episodes, you can go to www.whje.com or listen on Spotify. To stay up to date with what we're working on, follow us on Instagram or Twitter at music.wave.official. Show your support for Music Wave by becoming a monthly contributor. I've been your host, Brianna Guns, signing off. <laughs>